Welcome to the Think Rural podcast, sponsored by the Texas Social Media Research Institute and the Rural Communication Institute at Tarleton State University. Here's today's episode. Today's topic is, are noisy rural neighbors the best neighbors? Also, we're going to be talking about, are they helpful during rural emergencies? And next, we will have Anna discussing our icebreaker. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us today to listen. Um, I actually thought of a fun little game when we were discussing this topic last week, what we would do for this week's podcast. And neighbors automatically made me think of a couple of TV neighbors that I remember watching growing up. And so they have two catchphrases. They said it frequently on these TV shows. Um, and they're very similar. So I'm going to say one, let y'all guess who you think said it. And then say the other, let you guess who you think said it. And then I'll let you know what the correct answers are. So the first one is, uh, and this was not a cartoon one. This was a, um, I guess, real life type TV show. Um, but his catchphrase was, Heidi ho neighbor. What do you, who do you think said that? Oh, I feel like I know this one. <laughs> no you, Googling. If, oh, I know, I know. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, don't be cheating. Uh, Steve Urkel. Steve Urkel. Anyone else have any guess? No one else? Like, okay. Um, think of a fence when you think of this neighbor. Is this show, is it like a Western show? No, it's not a Western show. It was a really popular popular TV show. As a matter of oh. fact, one of the cast members went on to play Santa Claus. Oh, Home Improvement? But what was the neighbor's name? Oh, man. Uh. <laughs> I was so close. But you're right. It is from Home Improvement. It was Wilson. Oh, where you only saw his, his hat, right? Yeah, he had like the fish bucket hat. And, but that's all how he always started when he was talking to Tim the Tool Man. <laughs> Howdy ho, neighbor. Okay, and then this next one is like really similar to that and is another famous neighbor, but this one was a cartoon. And he said, hi, diddly ho, neighborino. I'll repeat it. Hi, diddly ho, neighborino. It's a cartoon. Probably not an appropriate cartoon for kids to watch. <laughs> Is it based in Texas? No, I know what you're thinking of, but that would have been another good one to get a quote from. No, uh, it was, it played in the same hour that the one that you're thinking of, Dr. Edwards, if I remember correctly, um, because it was, they were both 30 minute shows and they were cartoons. Um, another famous catchphrase from the show was dough. Oh, the Simpsons. The Simpsons. And who was the neighbor? He had the green sweater and the glasses. You can do it. I can see it on your face. Did he have a pointy nose? No. Oh, wow. I just remember he's the one with the mustache. 
he did have a mustache you're correct it was ned flanders oh yes oh my goodness i know isn't that a blast from the past but that's immediately what i thought of when we started talking about neighbors that and mr rogers you know but mr. i can't believe I, think, I can't believe i didn't think of king of the hill that would have been perfect i failed sorry <laughs> and it's texas days <laughs> But now we can kick off to, to the actual questions. I just thought that was funny. That was awesome. That was awesome. That was awesome, yeah. Um, so I guess uh, heading on to the more serious portion of the podcast, um, why do you think neighbors are so important in rural areas? Um. I can start off by saying I think neighbors are important in rural areas because a lot of people in rural areas, they live in a lot of acres of land um, and it takes a long time for emergency service to may come out or they may take them a long time to get access to the grocery store or just things like that. So it's important to, um, you know, be close to your neighbors and have neighbors, people you can rely on if you need something like milk or anything have someone you can you know, go to or just have a relationship with, someone who can look after your property, you can look after their property, just like a friendly person, friendly face. And that was for me, Lauren. Also, uh, neighbors in rural areas are super important. Um, I'm not sure if you guys know it or not, but um, Texas has this amazing law that, um, a, if you take care of a property um, and you put, you know, a mobile home or something on that property for a certain amount of time, then you can, um, in some counties, claim that property as your own. And it's important if you own property in a rural area to know what's going on on your property, because number one, you're responsible. But then number two, if someone just happens to fence in your property and put cows on it um, <laughs> because it's convenient for them, um, they maintain your property. So it's important to know what's going on. So even if you're not in the area, those neighbors can tell all. Which is good. Yeah, I totally agree. Property lines are super important. I think the other thing about that's important, well, probably important about neighbors in general, um, like they can really make or break your home experience. Like where we live right now, we have one set of neighbors that are absolutely fantastic. Love them. Their grandson's the same age as um, my daughter. And we even like, like we, we like each other so much, we literally put a gate so they can get into closer. Now the guys on the other side, mm, not so much, not so much. That's super important. And then also like connecting with your neighbors. Sometimes you're, you're super close in proximity to your neighbors. And then other times you're far away like acres, but how can you connect with your neighbors? I feel like this one's like, it just changes so much because nowadays, I mean, like I'm friends with my neighbors on Facebook, we text or whatever. Um, but when I was a kid growing up, our closest neighbors were through the hayfield. And, you know, I don't even really remember calling. I can remember cutting through our hayfield and then their hayfield and then just going and knocking on their door to see if their kids could come play. Like, I don't even remember calling. 
that's terrible manners now thinking back but I <laughs> carrier pigeon I don't know I can agree with Anna from my experience growing up um a lot of my neighbors I went to school with so we just became friends through that and I would just remember hanging out at their house like every day and so through that our parents became friends and they connected and it just brought us closer together and I'm pretty well um I know my neighbors around and when they're out of town one of my neighbors is out of town right now and we look out through their house and vice versa and it's just good to have that connection when we have birthday parties we invite them over when they have birthday parties Halloween parties they invite us over and it's just good to have that connection and just have that friendship and know that you're surrounded by good people. I totally agree Lauren I think you brought up a good um point to jog my mind uh memory not mine um but that but it's probably not as true anymore but in rural areas uh neighbors could sometimes or would mostly be your family some families kind of take up a whole street or county road or kind of create their own little compound if you will um so yeah you would who needs to be polite to to your family just go run up and get some cookies or snacks or whatever from grandma's house. Right. I think too, it's super important to have that, like um, Lauren and Anna are saying, the face-to-face, -face, um, you know, chatter growing up in a non-rural rural area. I didn't know my neighbors across the street. I knew my immediate next two neighbors, which were, there was no land in between them. Um, but there was no communication. And if you don't know your neighbor's name, I think there's something wrong with that. Um, but yeah, this is Magnolia, by the way. I grew up in Plano near Dallas, concrete jungle. So um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a difference there. And I think it's super special to uh, get to know them, get to know your neighbor. I think that's it. I love that perspective. This is Kendall. I also um, wanted to highlight on the um, part of community where people like um, get together at functions like there's church sometimes people meet through church or um, I know where I'm from we have this thing called mesquite days which is just where everyone kind of puts out um, like tables and stuff for to like sell jewelry sell you know um, baked goods whatever kind of like the farmer's market but for anything really I know uh, we met a couple neighbors when we first moved to town through that and I just think that through that and even like school functions, um, parents can go to their kids games and stuff and meet their neighbors that way and meet people in town that way. So I think that's really important just to be involved in the community and that's how you can meet people. So just curious, although I know it's not prevalent now because we all have cell phones and everything. Did anyone like in high school remember doing, I hate to say, but drive-bys? Like you would just drive by someone's house to see if their truck was in the driveway or if they were out. And then if they were, that was like free game to stop and go knock on their door. Can I still I do, that. do that now? <laughs> Sad words. <laughs> I'll text. <laughs> well, yeah, now I text or whatever because it's so easy to communicate people. But now I'm, that I'm thinking about it, I can remember driving by people's houses in high school and if they were home, it was fair game. 
I feel like my friends and family are prone to do drive-bys. Like everyone always stops by our house, but I'm like anti-drive-by. Like my mom wanted to do a drive-by last weekend at my aunt's house. And I'm like, that's rude. You can't just go to someone's house. But like my family does it all the time. They'll just pop up at our house. And I'm like, okay, yes, I wasn't doing anything. Sure, come in. But like, that's what they were used to because a lot of my family is from like the country. So they're just used to popping up and it's free game like you know they're there you come in but me being in the city I'm like no call me <laughs> like at least text when you're five minutes away or something but it's okay now I'm just used to it so kind of switching so I guess oh no go ahead <laughs> oh, sorry <laughs> kind of switch into a different aspect of like neighbors and um, if they would be helpful in an emergency. Has anyone ever had to had an emergency that they had to rely upon their neighbor for? We actually have. We've had like minor emergencies where like the cows get out or the horses get out. And um, we have one property that's kind of by a highway and we didn't actually know the neighbors that lived there, but our horses had gotten out one time and they had just gotten out there and gotten on their own horses and you know roped in our horses and put them back up all before we even knew that they were out so that was amazing that they could help us out like that because we were actually out of town we didn't know so those are some emergencies that could have been really bad but kind of got prevented by some really helpful neighbors that's so true and y'all think about the winter storms um think about any rural emergencies that happen then when you can't even get out of your driveway and you need something. Oh yeah, for sure. We, um, during the winter storm, the neighbors, again, the ones that we do like, uh, it would, cause we were shut up in our house with our toddler 24 seven. She was sick of us. We were, I mean, we weren't sick of her, but like people were on each other's nerves. There was a lot of tiptoeing, but they had their grandson over a, a couple of days during the winter storm. And so we just kind of not shoved, but gently ex escorted our daughter over there to keep her entertained. <laughs> that, hey, that means a lot because yeah, having a kid cooped up for five days is not fun. <laughs> oh yeah, no. And then they were so nice. They like cooked dinner for everyone. We ended up like playing chicken foot till like midnight that night. Wow. It's chicken foot's dominoes, in case you don't know. And it gets intense. So, but Anna, I have a question for you. Like are rural emergencies a little bit different from the, from the emergencies you would have in the city? I mean, I don't know that I have the city. Ex I mean, yes, I, I would I would say even though I've never really lived in the city. Yeah, I'd definitely say yes. Like my mom, um, she lives in a rural area. The cl closest um, hospitals for her would be Nacogdoches. Um, so it's still about a 30 minute drive um, for her uh, if she can drive, but she's had to have the ambulance come out. It takes quite a bit of time. Um, if you have a fire, um, you know, waiting for a volunteer fire department to show up and them to debate which county it actually falls in. Um, 
Yeah, I think so, because I don't think you're going to have cows running down. Well, that's not true. Fort Worth has the stockyards. But, you know, in general, you're not going to have cows or horses break out in the city. So I think there's lots of ways that rural emergencies would be different. I don't know. What, what is anyone else's opinion? I think they could be different. Um, and I can give an example. Living in the city, my um, neighbor behind me about 10 years ago, their house actually caught on fire. Um, and luckily, like our fence was down in between our homes. Um, and their son was there and the actual owner was gone out of town. Uh, another neighbor came by and knocked. And he was like, it seems like there's smoke coming from behind your house. But when we looked, it was our neighbor's um, home. And so my dad, you know, he jumped in and was helping out the son. And my mom called the fire department and they were able to come help. But we were able to help the son just because we were so close um, and our fence was down in that situation. So being close, being in the city did kind of help them out. Um, and they had minimum damage to their home. But um, that it was just a crazy situation. Just when that happened, we were just in a perfect situation to help out. Wow. That's that's definitely an emergency that you guys, I'm glad that, you know, you guys were home during that time. That's awesome that y'all were home. Yeah, what a blessing. Um, mm -hmm. One, also, um, we did some research on the census last year and I looked at Shelby County and Shelby County does not have a hospital. Um, their hospital closed because of financial reasons and a lot of rural hospitals are closing around the state and um, and a lot of counties do not have a healthcare professional or a doctor or a nurse practitioner in the area. And so um, one after their hospital went out of business, basically, a little girl choked on a grape and they had to drive from Central Texas to Nacogdoches, which is around, we'll just say 40 minutes, 40 or 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And by that time, the little girl died, um, oh you know, by choking on a grape just because there was no hospital in the area so yeah yeah the statistics are pretty heartbreaking like um I think like 80 actually no I just looked it up like 80 percent of rural counties are one just plain short on primary care doctors but then not only that nine percent have none so there's just such a shortage of healthcare workers on top of the fact that you have to drive to get there and I wish you hadn't told me a story about a little girl. That makes me so sad. Center, I mean, she was the first one. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. since they closed. And so that's been the rallying cry for everyone to say, we need rural health access. Um, and speaking of which, if you guys were to wave your magic wand, what would be the remedy for rural emergencies? Going along with that, correct me if I'm wrong, I do believe the hospital, um, for example, like in Stephenville, it being rattlesnake country, um, I do not think, I, I heard that there is no treatment um, options at the Stephenville hospital. One would have to drive to Fort Worth. Um, so awareness, definitely. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're, you or a loved one is suffering from a rattlesnake bite, you've got to act really quickly and if that's not available at your immediate hospital down the road or you know 30 miles out um there's time pension there 
So awareness on, that's just a minute example, um, but rattlesnake venom, that, that's a huge thing. Uh, yeah, that's, I like that. And I think that's a practical solution. Although since we're on snake venom, fun little fact, sheep's blood is what gives uh, the, where they get a lot of ants venom from. So just so you know, I learned that today. I did not know that. Wow. I learned that today too from you. Oh my goodness. I had no idea. Um, and then also like nurse practitioners, we're having a lot of nurse practitioners open up practices, independent practices in the East Texas and Central Texas area. So basically they work under the auspices of a doctor, but the doctor could be in Fort Worth or Dallas or wherever, but they're able to provide care like a primary care physician, but as a nurse mm -hmm. practitioner. So I'm like, that could be another piece as well. Yeah, another avenue. Yeah, no, I like that. I mean, of course, if we really get a magic, magic wand, can we just wish there were no emergencies? <laughs> <sighs> that would be a magic wand. Well, if uh, no one else has any additional uh, thoughts, uh, I guess I'll go ahead and close us out and uh, maybe wrap us up with a quote from Mr. Rogers. Um, and he said, all of us at some time or other need help, whether we're giving or receiving help. Each one of us has something valuable to bring to this world. And that's one of the things that connects us as neighbors. In our own way, each one of us is a giver and a receiver. So uh, thanks for listening to our podcast today. Um, I hope you feel like we're a little bit of your neighbor now in your car or wherever you're listening. And don't forget to subscribe.